Greetings, Earthlings, and I'm assuming Stephen King fans. It was so much fun to record this episode with Daniel Honey, and I'm really excited to share it with you. I do want to give you a couple little warnings, I guess. Uh, one, I thought the muffs I got for the microphone would block out the wind. It does not. So for about the first 27 minutes of this episode, you will hear wind. And then we change location and there's no wind. So if you can't handle it, but still want to listen, fast forward to the 27 minute mark. The second warning I want to give is that because we are talking about Stephen King's Carrie and Stephen King's body of work in this episode, we are talking about things like uh, menstruation cycles, <laughs> rape, uh, violence against women, and abuse. Oh, and bullying. So if any of those things are things you do not wish to hear discussed, maybe skip this one and go listen to any of the other episodes I have out there. Uh, so enjoy this episode and come back next Sunday where we discuss the second half of Carrie. And as always, thank you so much for listening. Have you ever seen any movies by Stephen King? Uh, yes, so I've seen um, The Shining, I thought, when I was way too young, and um, I, do I get to tell them like that this is take two and I went on a whole thing about <laughs> <laughs> what The Shining meant to me, and then after three minutes, uh, I found out that it was um, actually um, Patrick Swayze and Demi Moore and Whoopi Goldberg, The Ghost. I forgot about that. Alright, uh, so... But As The Shining, you... <laughs> I've also, I watched The Stand because there was a girl who lived in my building who I was in love with and she had the miniseries The Stand. It, audio, the, sorry, in, in the book form? No, the or... television okay. show. With the like, cute little girl with the curly black hair. I kind of remember that from when I was like a teenager. Does that seem right to you? <laughs> like early 90s? Yes, that okay. sounds like what it looked like. Which is like, is that when you were born? Yes. <laughs> the Lion King came out before I was born. And if that doesn't make you feel old, I don't know what will. Favorite Disney movie? Me? Yeah. Um, Since you were born before the Lion King. No, the other person <laughs> sitting here with the mic on. Okay, um... Uh, the Lion King, uh, great one. Um, I also love Disney's rendition of Hercules because the voice, Susan Egan, I think just is so wonderful. She's That's my sister's favorite Disney movie. She has good taste. Yeah. Um, yeah, I love all the curlies and like, um, I love Hades in that movie. Ugh, I love Hades in that movie. Um, other favorite Disney, Mulan. I, I'm just naming like the Disney Renaissance movies. Um. <laughs> I also was like a Disney Channel kid. Oh, you know what? I always wanted the Disney Channel when I was a kid, and my mom would never get it for me. Oh, really? Yeah, so getting Disney Plus is a really big deal. Oh, my God. <laughs> oh, my God, this is such a fun callback to um, the other episode of your podcast. Oh, that uh, I just, like, literally just did. Yeah, yeah. Like, yeah. I did. That's very true. Take care of yourself. Oh, thanks, Daniel. Um, why are we talking about Disney when we're here to talk about Stephen King? Nobody knows. <laughs> yeah, they're exactly the same thing. Every, every, um, Kanye West said everything in the world is exactly the same, and I Aww. really uh, think that that is the truth. I mean, I don't disagree with him, and Stephen King has pretty much built an empire yeah. of 
poorer. Um, if you're wondering who the lovely person I'm talking to is, this is my friend, Daniel Honey. And please excuse the wind, as I thought these muffs would block out the wind, but they don't. So, I'm very sorry. And we're here today to talk about Carrie in all of its forms. Which, for the uninitiated, is a book about breasts. <laughs> no, it is a book about dirty pillows. <laughs> it's a book about dirty pillows. <laughs> in all their various shapes, sizes, and colors. Actually, fun fact, this movie, this book is called Carrie um, because that's what all the women characters have to do. Is get dirty pillows everywhere they go. Except for the gym teacher, because she has none, which um, is uh, important to the story. You know what, I'm now... I'm now thinking about all the different times breasts were mentioned in that book so far. Glad you asked. <laughs> I um, compiled all um, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven places oh. where the characters' uh, boobs are mentioned in the first 80 pages. Oh, shit! Um, so later on, maybe we can read uh, into those. Yeah, and I also, this is probably going to seem a little off. I also n noticed uh, he talks about the lady's bareback dress when he's interviewing her, which I kind of, I don't know. Yeah. Thought made me think about that. I've recently finished reading John Keel's The Mothman, and I really enjoyed that book. But John Keel definitely loves to talk about the female form. Right. <laughs> With John Keel, can I ask? Yeah. Um, are the female forms that he talks about? Uh, that, what a terrible beginning to a sentence. I know. Um, did he <laughs> talk about um, adult women who are capable of consent or teenagers? Uh, um, it was all adult women, but he either referred, like, I would say there's two categories he referred to them in, which was either shapely or not. Right. <laughs> or attractive or not. <laughs> so he, oh, Jesus, wept. I, I was about to search through, um the pdf that i have downloaded of carrie so that i could find the place on page i want to say it's page three or four where mm -hmm. he's describing the way that the teenage girls are stretching and driving oh, under the hot water yeah. i just as i was reading it, i went like stephen maybe like let's calm down about <laughs> describing the teenage girls bodies like we're under like can we get back to the story so i think and i could be wrong because i've read this a long time ago but i think that Stephen King's first published no novel, and I believe the story is that his wife encouraged him to write it, like write about that particular subject, because that was the idea he had, and publish it. Hmm. So I suppose you could blame her. <laughs> Behind every horny man is a great woman. I don't know why, but like that thought came up in my mind as I was reading yeah. Carrie. But like, for sure, and like I think we should also put it in context too. It came out in 1974. Oh like, my god, that world. came out in 1974. Right, so that was before you were born. That was before I was born, and that's actually I I don't know when the Mothman was published, but a lot of the research Keel did for his book was in the mid late 60s. So that's similar. Yeah. I mean, and you're not wrong, like. That's when David Bowie was sleeping with 14-year-olds. Really? Yeah. Oh, sorry, I shouldn't... Oh, yeah, like, Bob Dylan, like, with a 12-year-old, those allegations. Sorry, should I just... I should... People, like, like those people. I'm young, so I'm like, I don't give a shit who those old men are and what Even David Bowie? People, oh, yeah, dude. People are Everybody. so fucking hard up about David Bowie. I like David Bowie, but... Wow. Different world. 
Anyway, that's a good turn. <laughs> oh, that's what I do. Anybody who, like, yeah, whatever. And that's why I love Daniel. Because <laughs> he's a lot younger than me. And I really like having a younger perspective. <laughs> Thank you. I'm a fresh flower. Because, <laughs> like, he was saying, I was... Did, I, did we say this? Whatever. I was born in 1980, so I grew up in a totally different world than mm-hmm. <laughs> Daniel. But then, so I grew... Well, you're from Maui. I was going to say... Oh, that's very true. I was going to say, I grew up here on Lanai, so... Yeah. Um, you... Uh, who knows? That might have been like similar. I feel like early 2000s is, like, maybe analog to, like, the mainland's early 90s. Yeah. But I don't know, man. I had VHS tapes. I was watching all that stuff. Like, I love when Harry met Sally or whatever. <laughs> VHS tapes. So, when I started working here, maybe circa 2005-ish, I remember, like, you guys didn't have cable yet or something in town? No, uh, we had... 2005, I'm trying to think what that might have been. Was that maybe when... No, that was 2009 when they, like, switched from analog to digital and there was, like, PSAs oh, all the time? Oh, yeah. That was before that, though, because I remember, like, I don't know, something about the cable they got down at the hotel at Manele you couldn't get in town, and it was, like... I was mm-hmm. just thinking, like, what the heck? Like this place is crazy. Thing? Yeah, something like that. I When I lived in Nevada before... I moved here when I was four. I lived in Nevada beforehand, and we had the channel Cartoon Network there. Yeah. We didn't have it here. Yeah. I watched Powerpuff Girls before I moved here in 1999 and then like maybe three years later we got Cartoon Network and I was like, I know these shows. Can okay. You? So that makes kind of... I know these shows. <laughs> that makes sense with my with what the time I'm thinking. Um, yeah. Like the, just to give you an idea of how far behind in technology Lynette was. I think it's better now though. Oh yeah. It's, I mean with the internet it's like a kind yeah. of like great equalizer. And there's a lot of high tech shit because of stuff. That's <laughs> cool. We were talking about that. Oh because we were talking about sex education. Lockers. Yeah. Uh I we had to like put the condom on the banana. Mm-hmm. Uh there's like a giant projection of a vagina on the wall and but there was another day in your education where I was absent, but everybody, when I when I came back, they were like, you missed the best day. What was came it? And she showed us the condoms, and she only had one bean, and it was incredible. <laughs> and I was wow. like, yeah, damn. That's actually kind of exciting for Lanai. Like, that would be an exciting day here. Yeah. This podcast, I'm only talking about boobs. I promise <laughs> that the only reason for that is because it is such a prominent feature of the story. But So that's so funny because I didn't really notice. I, but now that I think about it, you're right. There is a lot of boob focus. Yeah. I want to know how Steve, how old Stephen King is when he's writing this. Me too. Um, Because that might make a difference. And I feel like maybe this is like because we have 20 or whatever it's 2021 but i feel like why is a man (laughs) writing so much about what it's like for a girl to have her period unless he asked his wife maybe he asked his wife but i don't know i kind of felt that off-putting like i was like i don't want you to tell me about this stephen king right because you have no real life experience right about like yeah, this story opens and is, um, like, 
kick-started by Carrie's experience of having her first period and not knowing what it is and that being like a really traumatic event for her. I feel like kick-started is too gentle of a word, Daniel. <laughs> kick-started with her having her period. I mean, she was like... Right. It opens with a pain. There was a tampon or a sanitary napkin. I don't know what he calls them in the book. Hanging from her pubic hair. Right. So. <laughs> oh, oh. Here's another thing while we're talking about teenage girl naked in the locker room that I want to um, go over. Is that in the book, she's described in a certain way. And we're going to talk about the movies oh, later on. Yeah. So I don't want to but, I like, mean, exhaust this topic before we get there. Yes. But because I have seen the original movie, the Sissy Spacek movie, I remember reading this description and going, this isn't Sissy Spacek. No. And so then, um... Not at all. Because she's described as pudgy, mm -hmm. with hair that didn't really have a color, which I kind of thought, well, Sissy Spacek's hair is, like, kind of yeah. a wan, blonde, like, it's not, like, yellow at all, it's kind of white, but then, um, Sissy Spacek is, like, very beautiful. Yes, she's very beautiful. And Carrie is described as being kind of ugly cow yes. face except when the boy's asking her out which oh and ugh, i have that pulled city. i have that <laughs> for us to discuss because do you like, want to jump to there now or let's save that for uh, a little bit i guess we can save it but just like i just felt like of course because that's the only way you know your value is if a boy asks you to the prom right snooze fest I also felt as I was reading this book that it played out like every fucking horror movie that's ever been made. Right. And I was one, it's like, it's like the foundation of, oh, right. did that's you think so, that? Okay. Yeah, I was, I'm totally looking at that and being like, oh, like, uh, duh, like, of course that happens. Of course this happens. But then it this came is, out in 1974. This is like the original, like, this is, I think this is where a lot of. Like it's Stephen King and it's his first one. Yeah. And I think. I don't know because I didn't research this, so I'm probably just talking out of my ass. But I had the thought that was like his formula was so successful, and everybody just like copied it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. <laughs> um. So I'm not like a writer or like an English teacher or whatever. Yeah. Um. So I don't want to like spend a ton of time critiquing the writing. But as I was write reading it, there was a lot of places where I was like, "All right, Stephen." Like... I so. Say more about that. Like, I'll write to, like, his writing strength, his writing style, his storytelling. Like, um, what I think, particularly? I, I think there was just a couple of, like, turns of phase. And I wish that I had, like, written more specifically about those. Um, there was also a lot of places where I thought it was really evocative. There's one point where um, we're kind of sitting with Carrie in this traumatic experience and... Um, he just describes all the different ways that these other kids in her school have tortured her and tormented her her whole life. And I thought that that was just really evocative and I thought that was really successful. Yeah, I um, actually remember that and I thought the same thing too. Like he's good at, Stephen King is really good at like setting the scene, I feel like. I feel like that's one of his strongest yes. strengths in this book and kind of like what I can remember from his other books that I read 20 years ago. Is that he's very good at that. Yeah. Yeah. Could we, since we already started talking about periods and the whole idea of Stephen using that as... Mr. King, how should I address him? Um, using that as, like, the whole way into the story? Because there's one kind of thing that I want to, like, tease out a little bit. Sure. Which, whatever. Go for it. Um, he... So the whole 
event that spurs the whole story into motion is Carrie gets her period. She doesn't know what it is, and she thinks she's dying, and then all the other kids are like, ha, 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 ha. She's 16, um, in she's case 16, you don't right, know. She's yeah, 16. she's 16. So, I, the, the note I have is, this is so male. She Carrie <laughs> grew up with a single mother. She went to not an all-boys school, to a school with other girls, and she never, like, found out what it was at all. That's what I was Kinsky. thinking! But then, so he addresses it. So <laughs> oh, he, okay. in 1970, whatever, writing this, is like, oh, people are going to ask that, so I better hold on. So the way he um, gets around it, right, is he says that one time somebody saw her using a tampon yes. to fix her lipstick, and um, so the other girls saw that and were like, that's so funny, she looks so stupid, we're never going to tell her, and so, like, everybody in the school was on that page and down with that and like just no adult was ever like no but she does it at a she does it while she's waiting across the street too yeah yeah and nobody she said she describes it as like people look at her weird and that's it but people already look at her weird (laughs) them she ever knows them right I just um no, but that's that was, a, that's, an, that's an example of one thing that I thought was a little bit weird. Yeah, I thought so too. Like I could see that maybe in the school, but then so the character of Sue Snell, I feel like, and like this is all just it's conjecture, the right word. I don't know, but I feel like because she was like the good person in the book, um, that she would have been someone who would say something. Yeah, like because she was felt because she kind of already knew what was wrong. So. Yeah, I think maybe, I don't know, that's maybe just like a testament or Stephen's writing to the power of like groupthink and getting caught up in the moment, which I can relate to. And I think it took the extreme kind of event mm. of them like throwing the tampons at this poor girl in hysterics for Sue to have that like... Yeah, I think, you're, I think you're right actually about that because that, that's what like she was like frog kind of thing. <laughs> reflecting on... Uh, and that's why she, spoiler alert, asked her boyfriend to take Carrie to the prom. And I want to say, like, I feel like that was done nicely. Yeah. Like, them really, or King really explaining and laying out the plot line of, like, it wasn't a trick. Yeah. Which is kind of like the memory I had. Maybe it's yeah. like, is, do the movies do that? I kind of think the movies kind of make it seem like that. Or no, I don't really remember. Like yeah. Mm. Are you okay in the sun right now? I'm fine. Okay. Does it look glamorous? <laughs> yes. Um, so, I think here's if I can read a passage. Sure. Um, this is where um, this is a place where I think it's really well illustrated just how deep the kind of group think situation went mm. for Carrie that she was just like the community target. So um, their gym teacher, their unbreasted gym teacher. Um, he made sure to let us know. But she has thick thighs, a French last name, and she was a college archery champion. So she's hot. But in, like, a lesbian way. Is that the deal? I don't know. Um, so she's there, like, trying to take care of this poor shell-shocked girl. And um, Miss Desjardins employed the Desjardins. standard tactic for hysterics. She slapped Carrie smartly across the face. She hardly would have admitted the pleasure the act gave her. And she certainly would have denied that she regarded Carrie as a fat, whiny bag of lard. Um, a first-year teacher, she still believed that she thought all children were good. So even here, oh, like, even this like teacher who, I don't, we don't take like a Hippocratic oath or whatever, but teachers are supposed to like care for children, is like, oh yeah, I'm, I'm having fun slapping this tormented, traumatized girl. Uh, yeah. 
I feel like sometimes kids can be a little punky. For sure. But I also feel like if someone was getting attacked in the shower, why would you? Right. Like, I feel like Mrs. D or Miss Desjardins came in hot from the get-go. Yeah. Like, she was she was ready to slap someone. Right. And she does it again. <laughs> she does it twice? Well, she knows that she slaps Carrie because Carrie's like burbling, like, ooh, because yeah. right? she's in hysterics. Poor but then Carrie. Later, she slams um, uh, Chris Hargan, oh, the main bully girl, she slams her head right, into the locker. Into the locker. <laughs> so she's just knocking kids around in the <laughs> locker room. 1974. Put on your 1974 <laughs> reading glasses. Right. And there's actually a whole scene where um, Chris the main kind of villain girl her character's dad who's a lawyer comes and has a conversation yeah. with the principal and it's written in a perspective where they're kind of like acknowledging that teachers hitting kids is wrong but I think maybe it wasn't like officially codified at this point because the teacher's like anyway because uh, uh, the principal makes a case that um, I totally agree with you and Chris I thought the real. same thing yeah like I, I felt like in that particular scene, it was like everybody was just trying to save their own asses, yeah. and it wasn't really addressed well that bullying is not okay, because that bully girl apparently in the past put firecrackers in someone's shoe and almost blew off two toes of somebody. Right. But that was never, like, properly addressed when it happened. Right. Oh, and she's had, like, 50 detentions or something? Yeah. About, like, of the kids. So the thing I have to say about Stephen King... Because I, so when, when the new version of It came out, I got really excited and I got It on audiobook and I tried to listen to it, but I couldn't listen to it because it was like super violent. And the thing I've noticed about Stephen King is he's very violent, <laughs> which I, I mean, that's, I think what makes him successful though, right. is that he's not afraid to talk about those things. Um, but then, like, I, tell me if you felt this way. But then, like, do you feel disgusting reading that? Um, I haven't so much felt it in this book because yeah, um, we're only reading this after having read the first half of it, and um, the really violent part hasn't happened yet. Yeah. Um, but I definitely do have that experience of, like, I'll be reading, like, a news article about something awful or something, or somebody's first-hand experience of abuse or something, I'll be like, I don't want to read this. Like, oof, I don't, like, I don't want to know about this. I don't want to live in this world. Yeah, so I agree with you on that. And then I was also, this, there's this other podcast I listened to, and they were talking about some kind of violent thing that had happened last year. And he was like, did you see the video? And the other guy was like, no, because I didn't feel like sitting through a commercial to watch somebody get, I don't remember what it was, blah, blah, blah. But I feel like, I don't know why I said that, but I just feel like we, as a society, it's so normalized in a sense. Oh, for sure here, yeah. Yeah, and that nobody would really even blink or think twice about watching a commercial to watch somebody, something bad happen to somebody. Yeah. It's just like that's just what you do right but when he said that it made me think and then like just listening to it on audiobook it made me think like why is this okay right <laughs> and i guess the other question is why isn't it okay 
Yeah. Which is like all that I care about. <laughs> dirty um, pillows, yeah. Yeah, dirty pillows. So sorry. Yes, dirty pillows. Um, the Christian term. Right, because we're Christians. Um, I'm not. Okay, so um, the first place boobs are mentioned explicitly in the story is that um, Miss Desjardins comes into the room and she is described as their slim, non-breasted gym teacher. Page nine. <laughs> Page and then, nine. What else does she, they say about her breasts? Oh, whose breasts are milk white, upright, and smooth? Oh, this is Carrie, right? With the right. light coffee-colored nipples. Right, with the light coffee-colored nipples, which does that make sense to me? I felt like that was excessive. So we did take a little break and change locations, and I was able to read an article about what was going on in uh, Stephen King's life when he wrote this. He was 26 years old, and he actually... That's my age. Really? Yeah, and I have oh, better funny. taste. <laughs> well, I mean, yes. And he actually wrote, like, the first four pages of this story, and then he threw it away in the waste bin, and then his wife came home, picked it out of the waste bin, read it, and was like, finish this, and he said, I don't know anything about teenage girls, and she said, I can help you with that. <laughs> so... Thank you, Mrs. King. Maybe. I also feel like, because I feel like one of the tricks and tips about writing is to write about something that you've actually experienced or lived through, but you put it in a different context. So when I read stuff like coffee-colored nipples, it always makes me think, like, who did Stephen King see that had coffee-colored nipples? Right, in 1974. In 1974. I, anyway. So... There's also here in um, in the midst of Carrie having her oh, meltdown. I hated this. It describes Carrie. So she's having her period. She doesn't know what's going on. She's in hysterics. The other girls are pelting her with the tampons and the sanitary napkins. And um, she's described as Carrie is slumped over, breasts pointing at the floor. We got to know where her <sighs> dirty pillows are. So when the mom is beating her up for getting her period, because somehow that makes her sinful that he also uses that description or something similar and i hated that part so much yeah. hated it and i hate the description of the fucking blue light in that closet oh yeah no <laughs> like, it's, it's so stomach nauseating yeah I yes yes okay good i'm Did glad we felt the same way audience? Yes. <laughs> we concur we agree. So good job, Stephen. So that's what he was going for. And yes. Yeah. So. And I think that's why Stephen King is so successful because he's able to create moments of high feeling in people, but it's just like distaste. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He's not a comedian. No, but he's uh, funny. There's funny stuff. He has some funny stuff. He has some funny stuff. But his. I remember there's. This one interview I read where he was talking to a doctor, or he had a doctor over at dinner, and then after dinner he asked the doctor, like, I think this was for Pet Cemetery. He was like, could a man swallow a cat whole? Mm -hmm. And the doctor was like, no, and he, like, told them why. But I guess that's just his taste, his shock factor. Like, that's the stuff maybe he's interested in, is, like, shocking you. I suppose. I don't know. What do you think? Uh, yeah, no, I think so, definitely. 
Shock Factor. Shock Factor. Or He's like. A ancient Day Shane Dawson. Who's that? Oh, don't make me be the person who explains what that is. He's okay. just an idiot on the internet, and he made a lot of um, YouTube content before anybody was making YouTube content that was very racist and whatever, uh, but like very okay. like sexual and dirty, and all of it was the shock factor, the shock factor, the maybe shock factor. Maybe I've seen, maybe I've And then I very recently there was a reckoning where people were like, actually, wait, you're a pedophile, I think. And, um... Like the question I have about Stephen King, I don't think he's a pedophile, but I, the question I had maybe it's more like a personal question is like, why did I like that so much back then? Because I don't mm -hmm. really care for it too much now, for sure. For me, as a 26 year old, and I work at a school, and so I see teenagers and I know that they look like kids to me, they look like yeah, children, yeah. So seeing them, their bodies described in a way that's graphic and that's meant to be like titillating, oh. which is, I mean, and sorry, like. You people are just like Daniel, Daniel with the boobs, the boobs, the boobs. Sorry, like it's just like really like it's so excessive. Like even um, there's a whole scene where um, oh, and maybe before we get to the scene that I want to talk about, mm. we can talk about the mode that the book is written in, which that is oh, that yeah. it's intercut mm -hmm. with the narrative. So the main thing obviously is what's happening in the story, but um, intercut with like excerpts from an imaginary book that was written about the event and an autobiography mm -hmm. published by one of the characters and an interview in a magazine with um, the neighbor, with Carrie's neighbor. Yeah. Um, and so it's interesting. It's written in a way that the plot kind of tells you what's going to happen before it happens. It does. Um, but it's also, it's helpful to me as, I don't, I don't have like a diagnosis or anything, but like... I have trouble, like, focusing on stuff. Mm. So as I'm reading, it's been so helpful to me to be like, okay, here's a scene, and then here's what happened 20 years later. Like, that's... Yeah. I really enjoy this. You know what? That's actually... I'm glad you brought that up because I think maybe that's something that made that book so popular is it's easily... It's talking about a weird subject, telekinesis, when people weren't really into that. It's like, what would you say, 1974 or something? Right. So people weren't really talking about that. Carrie is telekinetic, by the way. Oh, yeah. Surprise, if you don't know. Um, but it's talking about that. It's talking about, I guess, a girl having a period, which is probably kind of scandalous back in 1974. Totally. But I think that's what makes it effective, is the, the way it's presented to you makes you have interest in it, because it's told from all these different viewpoints. Yeah. And then... It also, not that it spoils itself per se, but I think, ooh, yeah, this is something I wanted to get to. Um, this story, it tells you something really bad is going to happen very early on. Mm -hmm. Like a bunch of people are going to die. We know that's going to happen. It's like a terrible tragedy. It compares it to, not 9-11 because it didn't happen yet. Um, it was like the two most um, important events of the 19th or the 20th century were like the Kennedy shooting and what happens at their prom night. Oh, yeah. Um, and so you know something bad is going to happen, people are going to die, but like they're including excerpts from Sue Snell's autobiography. So we know that Sue is going to survive. Sue um, mm. is one of is one character. She's a girl. She participated in the thing where they were all, all bullying Carrie, but she had a lot of remorse, and she um, uh, tried to make things right by Carrie by getting her popular, handsome, super sweet, kind boyfriend... To invite Carrie to the prom to give her, like, a normal night out. Um, and we know that she survives the event. 
Yeah, and it was interesting in that article I read between our recordings. Stephen King said he was never sure of Sue Snell's motives for having her boyfriend take Carrie to the prom. And I thought that was funny because I felt, and I said this earlier, that he did a really good job of explaining what her motives were. Right, I don't know what his question is. I don't yeah. have any question. So to have the author be like, I don't really know. I was like, that's interesting. So I'm going to wait and see like what else happens in the book before I make a hard judgment on that. But I was like, hmm, interesting. Right. Sue Snell so far is the one character where... Um, I'm totally drawing from the movie. Like, everybody else, like, I have my own kind of picture of book Carrie and book Margaret and book, um, Miss Desjardins and all the other characters. What? Who plays who Snell in which movie? Amy Irving. The, um, she, she was an actress. She was in a bunch of great movies. Um, she was in Mickey and Maud and, um, A Crossing Delancey. Oh my god, she's, I don't know any of these movies. She's an actress with, um, curly brown hair and just... A sweet. She just. If you are listening, you should look up what she looks yeah, like. Yeah, I feel like, like I, for your pleasure, she has just the loveliest, like, pixie face, the prettiest features. I think for your pleasure. I feel like I know who that is if I'll see her. Yeah, you will. Um, it's hard for me not to think about. Uh, oh my gosh, who's the actress that plays Carrie in the first movie? Sissy Spacek. Oh yeah, her. That's really good casting, actually. Yeah. I like that cat. Yeah, you should look her up. She has beautiful hair. Um, it's hard for me not to think about Sissy Spacek when I'm reading the book, but it totally doesn't match the description of Carrie. Right. And I don't know what her dress that she sews for prom looks like, but boy, did she have to beef her mom about it. Uh, but I just keep picturing the one that Sissy Spacek wore in the movie, so I'm curious to see if it's the same description or something different. Yeah. Um, while we're talking about Carrie's looks, um, do you want to read... Um, the part where she's described in depth and detail. Yeah. From Tommy's perspective. So, um, Sue Snell is going out with Tommy. They're popular, but not like the popular with a capital P kids. Um, Tommy asks Carrie out because Sue wants him to, um, for the reasons we have described. And so now we're reading a paragraph where, um, it describes Carrie's looks. And this is one of the ones that I compiled because her breasts are mentioned explicitly. <laughs> Um, she looked up from her books with a startled wince, as if expecting... Oh, sorry, let me back up a little bit. They're in the hall. It's passing period. Tommy goes up to Carrie. Carrie? Uh-huh. Yeah, what is that? I don't know. Uh-huh. Like, I think it's a... <laughs> I'm always like, what is this sound? It's spelled O-H-U-H question mark. So it's just... It's, uh-huh. Uh-huh. it's very goofy. <laughs> um, or is it like... Uh-huh. <laughs> Uh, no. <laughs> but like she's not like um I don't know kind of po- well it's actually going to kind of get anyway. Uh how about if we make a point? Uh she looked up from her books with a startled wince as if expecting a blow. The day was overcast and the bank of fluorescence embedded in the ceiling was not particularly kind to her pale complexion. She's ugly. But he saw for the first time because it was the first time he had really looked, that she was far from repulsive. Her face was round rather than oval, and the eyes were so dark that they seemed to cast shadows beneath them, like bruises. Her hair, as darkish blonde, slightly wiry, pulled back in a bun that was not becoming to her. The lips were full, almost lush, the teeth naturally white. Her body, for the most part, was indeterminate, 
a baggy sweater. Sorry, I just love this turn of phrase. A baggy sweater concealed her breasts except for token nubs. The skirt was colorful but awful all the same. <laughs> it fell to a 1958 mid-shin hem in an odd and clumsy A-line. The calves were strong and rounded. The attempt to conceal these with heathery knee socks was bizarre but unsuccessful and handsome. So, I don't know. I found that a little bit Aww. difficult to read, but... <laughs> exactly. Uh-huh. Is how I uh, reacted to that. But that's um, how Carrie's described. And maybe I don't know how to read. Uh, I'll fully admit to being illiterate, but that is not Sissy Spacek to me. No. Not at all. And it's definitely not Chloe, Chloe Moritz? That's her no, name, right? No, definitely not Chloe, yeah. Chloe Moritz. But I wonder, like, just... So, I've talked about this in different forms but it's kind of the same question like how anthony and i talked about this in white lotus how sellable is someone who actually looks like that like like i feel like the movie carrie was so talked about because sissy spacek was dressed in that skimpy silk dress and had a bucket of pig's blood jumped on her yeah when you get something like that wet wet t-shirt contest right exactly and i feel like that's probably why a lot of people went to watch that movie to and see I, that so i think that kind of reflects the use of the teenage girl writhing under the hot water imagery yeah. where it's like sex will get people to buy in and so i yeah i was really glad i'm glad you brought that up because i wanted to talk about how um i think that the book might work in a way that's different from the movie for the movie to work you have to buy in to Carrie's torment and her trauma, and you have to be like, hell yeah! Like, you kind of have to be like, get those jerks! Because <laughs> I think everybody has at least some experience where they can be like, I was bullied, but I don't think a lot of people will admit to being bullies. Yeah. Um, and so I think that almost universally, people will watch the movie Carrie and be on her side. Yeah. Um, and I don't think that's as achievable if you cast somebody who's not physically attractive. Mm -hmm. um, and... I had another point that I was going to make about that, which is that uh, she has to be hot so that we like her. Everybody's mm -hmm. bullied, but nobody thinks that they're a bully. Um, maybe all my points were already made. Well, I feel like I'm glad you actually brought up that point about the bull not wanting to be a bully. Because is that Sue Snell's secret motivation that perhaps Stephen King suspected in the back of his head? That she was saying, like... Oh, no, because I want her to experience something, Carrie, like something nice. But like really in the back of her head, she could not deal with being a bully and just letting that be the end of it. Like, was this her like redemption? Totally. Yeah, it's her absolution. So then that makes sense that Stephen King questioned her motives. <laughs> yeah. I think if you're thinking about it like that deeply. Yeah, you've seen Stephen King. I'm sure he was bullied as a kid. And oh, yeah. Like, yeah, that him trying to write a popular girl trying to work for her redemption would be difficult for him, especially if he's not, like, a writer-writer yet. This is a debut yeah. novel. Yeah. So, I, there's a book that Stephen King wrote. I think it's just called On Writing, and he talks a little bit about his early writing history and his childhood. Um, and he... There was something wrong with him when he was a kid, so he didn't go out much. Like, he was inside all the time or something like that. And he oh, uh-huh. Uh-huh. And he was bullied a lot. So, that makes sense. I mean, maybe... Maybe that makes sense. I also feel like in 2021, we have the expectation of like, or like we have the question a lot of like, 
well, why does it have to be a man? Why can't it be a girl? Why can't it... Da, da, da? But I feel like as a writer and a creator, some characters come to you and they just are what they are. So I feel like yeah. it's kind of bullshit for me to be like fucking Stephen King trying to write from a woman's perspective when if that was the idea that came to him, then that's his idea. Right. <laughs> Carrie could be trans, I guess, and um, could be a trans man who having his period for the first time, but... <laughs> But That's like, so, like, 2021. Right. <laughs> but then I think the whole... I, I think the rest of the story... I think it's a, it is a very female experience. I don't think yeah. that the rest of the story would unfold in the same way. No. That totally makes sense in 2021 as far as, like, a character being bullied and stuff. Well, maybe in, like, 2015. I feel like just in the past couple of years, we've made a lot of progress toward um, kids being able to, like, experiment and be who they are. And kids saying, like, oh, gender is so dumb. People are so yeah. weird about it for no reason. It really has kind of changed in the last couple of years, all those kinds of things. Thank God for that. Aren't you people sick of it? <laughs> Daniel. That's why I love Daniel. Um, but I, I don't even know why I lost my train of thought now. <laughs> Me too. Let's take a snack break. We're going right. to eat um, uh, a snack break, bar. But I have to type my password into the computer so you get to listen to this awkwardness (laughs) so we remembered there was like a thread that i set up and then didn't go back to so we're gonna go back to that thank you so much for hanging on um that thread was um one of the scenes in the odd storytelling style intercut into this whole situation is um an interview in a magazine told from the point of view of Carrie's neighbor, the teenage girl who lived next door to Carrie when she was a little girl. And um, in this passage, it talks about how she used to tan outside in a one-piece bathing suit and how Carrie's mother, puritanical, um, did not like that, got in a fight with the neighbor. Um, and the teenage girl's mom um, like escalated the situation by buying her daughter a two-piece A two-piece bathing suit. A white one. I think, I don't know if she calls it a bikini, but a two-piece bathing suit. And um, she's tanning with a two-piece bathing suit. She falls asleep, and this scene happens. Uh, Corey, do you want to read this one? Oh, sure. I'll read it. It's the screenshot. I looked down and saw that my top had slipped while I was asleep. So I fixed it and said, those are my breasts, Carrie. Then she said very solemnly, I wish I had some. I said, you have to wait, Carrie. You won't start to get them for another, oh, eight or nine years. No, I won't, she said. Mama says good girls don't. She looks strange for a little girl, half sad and half righteous. I could hardly believe it, and the first thing that popped into my mind also popped right out of my mouth. I said, well, I'm a good girl, and doesn't your mother have breasts? She lowered her head and said something so softly I couldn't hear it. When I asked her to repeat it, she looked at me defiantly and said that her mama had been bad when she made her, and that was why she had them. She called them dirty pillows as if it was all one word. (laughs) Right. Is that the first time we hear dirty pillows? Yeah, so that's the introduction of the phrase dirty pillows, and that gives us an insight into um, the whole situation with Carrie's mom, how (sighs) she used sex, and then how uh, later, not explicitly, but we kind of find out that Carrie's dad was into the religion the same way that Carrie's mother was and they thought intercourse was a sin but he succumbs to his worldly urges and rapes her and they conceive Carrie and then he dies but doesn't it kind of seem like he gets possessed and then rapes her or something when the mom's like reminiscing about it 
But that might be the way that she sees it. Yeah, like she sees something in his eyes. The or black something. man feel, yeah. took over his body. I feel like it's also side note, I fucking hate that he refers to the evil as the black man. <laughs> but it's nineteen seventy four, so right. what are you gonna what are you gonna do? Um so what did you did you wanna say anything else about that excerpt? Um No. No. <laughs> like was as I was rereading this book and like just getting to know Carrie again <sighs> like can you imagine just growing up in that situation it seems so awful oh yeah awful and I also feel like for as awful as it was Carrie came off pretty normally right and she wanted it's interesting to see him talk about like the normal stuff she wants like right when she was sewing so she could make money for... What was it? She wanted to buy something. Uh, was it furniture? She did buy her own rocking chair in her room, which right. I thought like was super fucked up. And there was something else she wanted to buy, and she had to like do the money to sew, do it. And then her mom wouldn't let her have it. But I guess those are all the tactics. Maybe not even consciously, but like that's the kind of stuff that makes you feel bad for her. Mm-hmm. Not likable, but it, maybe it's like justifying what she does in the end of the book. I don't know. Yeah. Um, yeah, like I said, I think this story kind of does depend on you being on Carrie's side a little bit. So in that article I read, Stephen King said he's never liked Carrie White. Oh. Which is... That makes sense why he's so mean to her. Oh, you know, I never thought about it from that perspective. So I yeah, I mean, like all the kids hate her. Yeah. The teacher slaps her and loves it. She's ugly. He's like, she kind of looks like decent looking, I suppose, but her skirt is still awful. And then now that you bring up the subject, when the principal is talking about how the Tommy kid asked her to prom, and it's like the harbinger of doom, like right. that's like the big like omen of like right. something's He's gonna go. Like, I think something <laughs> really bad is gonna happen. Carrie's going Cassie to prom. got a date. <laughs> like it's so yeah poor thing yes he calls her Cassie <laughs> he can't even remember her name when she's right there I mean I guess they should all be thankful she didn't get her period sooner <laughs> okay so uh oh my god no I don't want to be the boobs guy I yeah, promise be, okay I'm not gonna say the word boobs or breasts even one time in any of the rest of these episodes it's fine um, <laughs> Unless it's relevant to the plot, like it is this one. Okay, so exactly. So um, she gets her period, and it's a whole thing, right? We don't know. We see that Carrie is brought up and instilled with the idea that dirty pillows are a sign of like you being like a sinful bad person, right? So, but it also says that Carrie had her boobs when she got her period. So that I'm just curious about how that event must have transpired. Oh. Like she grew her dirty pillows. I don't know why her mom's British now, but um, I don't know. Pray for six hours. I don't want to. I feel like that's a really good point, and that's well. So far, it hasn't been addressed in the book, but I feel like they would have addressed it already, because if it was such a big deal, that right, that seems like something that would be a Unless, big deal on the same kind of level as getting a period. So you kind of see this interplay between Carrie and her mom, where the mom's like, the mom is like, she's picture the worst person you could picture. And that's, like, the mom in the book. Yeah. She's awful. 
to Carrie. But there is, like, this interplay of, like, the mom is starting to become scared of Carrie because yep. Carrie's starting to use her telekinetic powers. So I maybe she didn't bring it up because the last time they talked about dirty pillows in that fashion, uh, she made rocks rain down. Right. <laughs> oh, totally. Yeah, I think that might be why. And that kind of makes sense storyline-wise. Um, I feel like, and I don't recall this happening in any of the movies, but I feel like that is such a fantastic fucking image. Like the image of rocks raining down on a house. And then there's also, like, ice. Yeah. And then it's it very melts. biblical. Like, ah, oh, yeah, it's so good. It's so, like, I want to, like, I want to see that in a movie. Maybe we'll, maybe we will get to. I don't remember, Maybe though. we will. Rocks raining down. I don't know. Is there anything else you wanted to say about this part one of um, Carrie? They kill a pig. Two oh, pigs. I by sledgehammering that. them and cutting their throats. That wasn't okay, fun. Okay, so... First of all, I just want to say that kid that did that in the book is supposed to be like a total fucking fuck up. But somehow he has a fantastic cooler filled with ice, chilled buckets and lids. And he's also got the whole sledgehammer cutting the neck thing planned out perfectly. Yeah. And I felt like that was a little like... I felt like, oh, how nice that they're putting the blood on ice so it doesn't smell disgusting. And then I also felt like, how organized is this fucking punky-ass kid yeah. that smokes weed right. in his car? And just laughs hysterically about everything that they say. Right. And I also felt like, from reading that, what kind of weed were they smoking in 1976? <laughs> yeah. I So, I'm glad that you caught, on, caught up on that because I... um it kind of skipped over my head that um they had ice for the blood because i remember reading the part where it's like the bucket had frost on it and i was like isn't it may i was so like yes dumb. so it was like a cooler packed with ice mm. like 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 this fucking punk kid who smokes weed and dresses like he's from the ninth a greaser from the 1950s planned this out mm -hmm. i found that kind of odd odd okay or unbelievable to the character you know, the cooler also helps my mental picture because they talk about how, like, they hit a bumper or something or went, I don't know, whatever. Oh, no, yeah. how, how they pop the clutch. And I I was picturing them just, like, holding, like, buckets of pig blood in their lap. And I was like, you can't pop a clutch with your, <laughs> just buckets of blood. That's, it's going to slosh. I don't know. I just, maybe we're, like, being too picky about this whole blood thing. But, yeah, I, yeah, yeah, but... I, I just felt like that was, like. Yeah, the chest of ice. That <laughs> makes sense. Because I, that, I, completely, I was like, well, that doesn't make no sense. There was one thing that he wrote in that scene where that character is getting the bucket of ice with his friends. And he describes, uh, there's like three joints going and mm -hmm. it's like eyes of Cerberus. I don't know. I really mm -hmm. want to, I really want to see that like in a film yeah. as well. Cause it's like a great description. We haven't really touched much on, much on Chris, Which but is, what do we, oh, that's exactly. the bully because I hate her and who cares? Right. She's... <laughs> So, yeah, she's not interesting. She's a girl, oh. and she's a popular girl, and she's mean, and uh. um, she stinks. But so basically, and my daddy's gonna sue you, so you better let me have what I want. Yeah. That's the character in a nutshell. Yeah, and so she's the one who kind of arranged, who sets up the scene for what happens, which we all know what's gonna happen, right? Right. But, um, and uh, iconic, but, um, so 
just to explain the plot, the way it works is originally Sue, the, the girl who has a conscience, and her boyfriend were on the ballot for prom. Um, then Sue makes her boyfriend ask Carrie, so um, Carrie gets subbed out for Sue on the ballot. And Chris, we there's a scene where Chris is reading down the list of candidates for prom king and queen, and they're like, she's like, oh, it can't be these people because he's ugly and oh, she's ugly. Goodness. And um, it wouldn't be them, these two, because they're against the whole institution and they're trying to get rid of prom king and queen. There's actually... I would have to go back and look, but there's a good description of, not good, a good bad description of the way women look in those little blips. Hmm. Yeah. Like, she can't because she's uglier than a blah, blah, blah. Right. <laughs> I can't remember. Wait, with Daniel, did Daniel just try to look for it? But at the end, with that, where Daniel was going when I interrupted him, was at the end, it's Tommy and Sue, but because Sue's not going, they crossed out uh, yeah. Sue's name and put Carrie's name. Oh my name. god, this is so good. George and Frida, no way. Frida Jason was a Jew. Peter and Myra, no way here either. Myra was one of the female clique dedicated to erasing the whole horse race. Talking about getting rid of the concept of prom king and queen. Um, it's pretty woke for 1974. Besides, she was about as good-looking as the ass-end of an old dray horse Ethel. <laughs> that was the one I was thinking of. Frank and Jessica. Quite possible. Frank Greer had made the all-New England football team this year, but Jessica was another little sparrow fart with more pimples than brains. <laughs> oh, by the way, uh, Carrie also has, like, acne all over her body, including on her butt. Anyway, uh, just a fun <laughs> plot point. Don and Helen. Forget it. Helen Shires couldn't get elected dog catcher. Uh, and the last pairing, Tommy and Sue, and then she has this devious thing of like, mm -hmm, maybe we can do something really cruel. So I'm glad you actually talked about Carrie's pimples all over her body, including her butt, because I feel like King uses that as like a... to get you to not like her even right. further. Because, yeah, in America we have... Um, and I'm not just in America, like, kind of globally, there's a conflation of beauty and morality. Yes. Or, like, worth or yeah. like godliness, yeah. uh, which would kind of tie back into the black man being the devil. Um, not my words, that's what Stephen King said. Um, <laughs> but it's just interesting, and then it's interesting to me, like, that's such a huge plot point. But when they go to make the movies, they're like, Sissy Spacek, Chloe, Chloe Moritz, like, what? <laughs> they're, right. like, they're like, oh, I know. I'll make it look like she hasn't brushed her hair four days. Now she's ugly. Like, that doesn't do anything. Right. Put some glasses <laughs> on her. Yeah. What was... She's all that. That was the plot of She's All That. Have you right. seen that? She goes to the optometrist? No. she She's like a Carrie-esque type character. Not as intense. But, like, she's the nerd girl. And then Freddie Prince Jr., do you know that actor? Yeah. I'm sorry, I have to ask he's in you. He's Scooby-Doo. Yes, okay. I'm sorry, I have to ask you because he's no, for real. I don't know really anybody. younger. He's younger than me. But Freddie Prince Jr. needs a date to some dance for something and they dare, I think it's like they dare him to take her out. And it's then they exactly do the makeover like thing. They do the makeover thing. And then they like take off her glasses and it's like, change her clothes. Pull her hair out you of her eyes. You for sure have my empathy and if that's ever happened bum, to you. Bum, I think bum, that is bum, so bum, cool. bum, 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 bum. Now you're beautiful. <laughs> it's like the worst plotline in the history of plotlines but now I'm wondering like is that do we have that plotline because of fucking Carrie 
Like, Maybe. Like, how much of popular culture came out of this one book and then the movie? Season two? Season two. <laughs> season two? The Invisible Threads. Ah! Oh, okay, yeah, maybe season two. Stay tuned for season two. It's in production on the astral plane, and we'll bring it down to this plane. Um, But is there anything else we want to talk about? Are we done? What do you think? I've exhausted the boobs. All right, Daniel has exhausted his dirty pillow talk. Um, dirty I, pillow talk, dirty, and that is such a good title. Dirty, oh, dirty pillow talk! Is that the title of this episode? That has to be! Oh, shit. Um, okay, so if you would like to join us on this journey, uh, we're going to talk about part two in exactly one week, so you have an entire week to read it. And I think what I'm going to do is announce on podcast before this and put on social media that we're doing this so you can join so you can read part one please do uh, it goes by really easily it's super digestible it's super i was so like for the things that we nitpicked yeah super easy and engaging and fun to read it's fun it's like watching a really good tv show and like daniel said it's digestible it's enjoyable um in that article i read it said like it's still one of the top selling books today oh wow. so i feel like even though we're kind of like really nitpicking it, I feel like it's good because it's kind of getting deeper into like why is this story so, I don't know, popular still? Like what what about it is made it so mainstream and wide known? So I'm really excited to continue on this deep dive. Yeah, thank you so much for having me on oh, this no. show. Oh no, thank you for coming on, Daniel. It was really fun, and I really enjoy your perspective on things. So thank you for wanting to. Thank you, Corey. Can I tell them how you were holding your hair earlier, just for a visual? Oh sure, go ahead. So Corey has her. For those of us who don't know, Corey has beautiful long, oh, dark, curly Hawaiian hair, thank and you. she earlier when we first got to our second location she was holding each one of them she was holding each one of them she has them in braided pigtails right now she was holding each one of them out in front of her like maybe i don't know like trying to adjust a bunny ear tv to get a signal uh, it was just very precious and the image was very lovely and that's thanks for saying that because i do all that shit all the time and i never thought about it that way but now when i do it i'm gonna be like what signal am i trying to get right, what frequency am i tapping into oh thank you daniel um do you want to give like any you can find me on instagram or do you just kind of want to be um an you know, ether person the vibes me? if they are right Trust them, and you will find me. All right, there you go. Uh, that's Daniel in a nutshell. And guess what? Awkward moment in which I have to type in my password to get this to song. stop. You want to sing a song before I turn it off? No, I think that bit would have worked better <laughs> if you stopped recording before I had a chance to deny that. All right, we'll see you in one week. That's uh, read part two of Carrie. Uh, protect your dirty pillows. Uh, don't go into closets with blue lights and stay out of rock storms.